Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Co-Sleeping. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adriana. And today we're talking about a big one, mom guilt. Yes, definitely a topic we've been wanting to cover for a long time because unfortunately so many moms do struggle with mom guilt. I know for me it's something I've been struggling with actually a lot recently, so I'm really happy to jump in and talk all about it. Same. I actually have been struggling with it more than usual in the last couple of weeks, so I feel like this conversation will be somewhat cathartic for both of us. You know, anyone who's listening has probably struggled with mom guilt and knows what it is, but I think a good place to start is to jump in and just talk a little bit about what mom guilt is. It's the constant worry about the mistakes that you're making or mistakes that you think you're making. It's this unrealistic idea of what a perfect mom should be or what motherhood should look like. I know for me, I didn't really struggle as much with it when my daughter was a newborn. I know people say that a lot of new moms struggle with it. But for me, when my daughter was a newborn, I feel like I didn't have much mom guilt. But once she came into her toddler years, I feel like it really heightened. I would completely agree with that. In the newborn days, I think it was just such a massive adjustment Mm -hmm. for myself, for my baby, for a family that was involved. There was so much going on and even just those physical changes, hormone crash, figuring out breastfeeding or even just feeding in general if you're not breastfeeding. There are so many things that come before those emotional pieces at the very least for me, tactical things that you need to figure out in terms of caring for a newborn. I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't kick in for me earlier on. But another piece of it is that as our children grow, they become more expressive and more able to communicate in whatever way, even if it's not verbally, it's through their facial expressions and their body language or how they're interacting with you. They're able to let you know more when something's not okay for them and it kind of hits you in the feels harder. That's such a great point. I didn't even think of that because when my daughter was a newborn, I vividly remember just spending 10, 12 hours a day sitting on the couch, holding her, wearing her. I didn't know if she needed or wanted anything else. That just felt very real and normal to me and felt like what I should be doing. But I also had the opportunity to hold her and still cook dinner and clean and run errands and do whatever else I needed to do. But now that she's older, I feel like, you know, she's three and a half. I can't just put her on my hip and wash the dishes and vacuum and mop. As much as I would like to, she, one, will tell me, put me down, I want to go play or my back will give out before I finish mopping. But for me, I've had a hard time realizing that like that's not what she needs anymore. Like, yes, she still needs to be close to me, but now it's in a different way through playing or having her be involved in these activities and just day-to-day chores and things that she can do with me. But sometimes it's so much easier to just kind of get these things done by ourselves, And then, you know, it'll be like three o'clock and it will be did I play with her today? Did she watch too much TV? We didn't even leave the house. She would have loved to go to the park. She would have loved to do this, but we couldn't because all of these other things, unfortunately, took priority than just sitting and playing today. I love that you're saying this because that's actually something I didn't even think of. It might feel like more of an adjustment for us when they're newborns, but they're literally happy with skin to skin and milk, you know, like they're good. (laughs) Responsiveness and love is really all that they're seeking and the world is just so new for them. But as they grow and start to learn more and their tiny little world expands little by little, like you said, now it's like you're completely aware of the fact that they would love to go to the park or Mm -hmm. they might really want to be outdoors for longer than you would, or you have somewhere to be and they really don't want you to leave. And they're completely able to communicate that to you. And that is like soul crushing, you know, when they look up at you and they're reaching for you and they're crying and they're saying, don't go, or they're saying, mama, that for me is 
tougher. It's tougher to process than when they were a newborn and they were just crying and it could have been gas or it could have been they want more milk or it could have been that they're tired or you know what I mean? So I think when they're able to readily communicate that you're what they want and need, that they don't want you to leave per se, but there's somewhere you need to be. Those are the moments that for me are where the mom guilt really kicks in. That's interesting because I feel like we have mom guilt, both of us, but kind of based off different things. Because recently in the mornings on the days that I work, Kennedy's been asking me like, is it mama daughter day? And it's like, no, I have to go to work today. And she asks who's picking her up. And you know, my, my husband always picks her up. So I say, oh, you know, dad is picking you up. And she gets really upset. And she's like, well, I wanted you to pick me up. And why aren't you picking me up today? I don't want to go to the nanny's house. She wants to stay home. Those things suck and it hurts to hear. But then as soon as we're in the car and she's laughing and she's telling me everything that her and the nanny are going to do that day. It kind of like is kind of, I don't want to say in one ear out the other, but that's kind of how it is. Cause I'm like, I know you're going to have a great day and not even remember that this morning you were so upset. Cause I know a lot of new moms have it about returning to work and I didn't have that as much. And then I felt guilty that I didn't feel guilty. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I work part-time. So in my mind, I was like, you know, I need this. I deserve this. You know, I went to college. I worked hard. I got a degree. I'm helping support her and our family. It felt good to be needed in another sense other than just milk and mom. So I didn't really feel guilty so much for that. But now that she's gotten older, it's always like, come on, let's go play toys as I'm, you know, in the middle of folding laundry and I look at it and I'm like, I know if I leave this laundry here, I'm going to have anxiety that it's left here. So most of the times I finish the task that I'm doing, but then she's past whatever it is that she was doing. And she's like, I want to watch TV or I want this. And it's that missed opportunity after the fact that I'm like, shoot, like I should have dropped what I was doing and engaged and done what she wanted. Like you mentioned, it's a bit different. I'm with Aiden 24-7. I've chosen to take some time off of work, at least this year, to be with him. And I'm solo parenting, so it's literally he and I all day, every day. There have been very few times I haven't spent more than a couple of hours away from him where I have something to do. I've gotten my hair done once. I think I texted you during that (laughs) appointment saying how bad I felt that I had left him. Um, And he's a year and a half old. I had that one hair appointment and leaving to go to it. He was with my sister, who is like the love of his life part two. He was in good hands. He was in our home. He was comfortable. He spends plenty of time with her. This wasn't, you know, a transition that was going to be difficult. And it was a couple of hours. And I felt really, I mean, I was consumed with this feeling of I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't have left him. Why am I here? It's just hair. It ruined the appointment for me. It was the first and only one I've had. And I really wish I left the salon feeling like beautiful and so glad I did this for myself and looked in the mirror and was like, okay, so maybe he did or didn't have a hard time, but either way, I need to take care of me. I didn't have that experience. It was very overwhelming. And I questioned, you know, how could I have left him? He didn't want me to leave. I did anyway to get my hair done. This is a frivolous thing, but it's not. It's really Mm -hmm. not. Taking care of myself needs to happen. And if that means getting my hair done once a year, which I used to do a lot more often because it makes me feel good and it's something that improves my overall mood for months to come, it's something that I should be doing and it's perfectly okay to be doing. The thing that I need to remind myself of is that Aiden needs to see his mom taking care of herself. I need to remind myself that him seeing me take care of myself If that means taking a few hours and not justifying what it is that I'm doing during that couple of hours, that's okay. It doesn't have to be like do or die, doctor's appointment, I need to go, he needs to stay with someone. 
It can just be that I need an hour to grab a coffee and run an errand on my own. I know that he's in someone that I love's care and someone that he loves. It's healthy for him to see me doing that for myself. It's something that's easy for me to say. It's hard for me to believe. So that's where I'm really working on adjusting as a mom. And I was going to say it is so easy to say, but sometimes not so easy to do because you did text me when you were getting your hair done. And I remember it was so quick that I replied and I was like, you deserve this. There's nothing wrong with this. Like what? Seriously, you haven't gotten your hair done over a year. He's with your sister. He's probably not even thinking about where you are, what you're doing. He's having a great time. But I can't tell myself that in the moment because I would be the same way. And then somebody would tell me that and I'd be like, oh my gosh, come on, they don't know. And it's like, I'm so quick to tell other people that, but you know, we never take our own advice, right? Your story just made me think of, I remember I had dropped Kennedy off one time and I was on my way to work at the college to go visit my students at one of our hospital sites. And the student had called me and said that they had to quarantine, somebody tested positive, they all left. So I now had no students. I had no reason to to drive up to you know the hospital and work, but my daughter was already at childcare. And I was like, what do I do? Do I go do some Christmas shopping? Do I go get a coffee? Do I? I was like, well, I need to get gas. So I got gas and I did like a Starbucks mobile order. And then I went back and I picked her up right away. And they were shocked to see me because they were like, you literally are supposed to be gone for five hours. And I felt bad that I showed up with a Starbucks because I was like, what are they thinking that I went to Starbucks while she was just here? And it's like, nobody's thinking that. Like they wanted me to go and take that four or five hours and go do something for myself. I like, I couldn't, I couldn't move past that. Everyone was going to know that I wasn't working and I was taking that time for myself. Nobody's thinking that, especially parents. I actually saw a TikTok the other day and I want the opportunity to do it for a fellow mom friend that she rang the doorbell, she opened the front door and she said, give me your kids. Come on, come on. And started waving all the kids out of the house. And she just took the kids and took them for a few hours. And it's like, that's what moms need. We need somebody to kind of push it on us and just say, I'm on my way. I'm picking up the kids. Make sure they're ready for me. Whether or not I'm going to let them leave the house is a different story, but at least the offer sometimes is nice. Yeah. And I do want to touch upon what happens when we don't take those opportunities when we have them. Very recently in these last few days, I've had some serious struggles. Aiden and I were battling a virus, not COVID, but a pretty bad virus that's been lingering for almost two weeks. I still sound a little nasally. And it was brutal. It was, everyone knows, it's very hard to take care of young children when you're ill yourself. So he bounced back quicker than I did, and he was at 110% ready to go. And it was extremely difficult for me. I wasn't doing the simplest of self-care, like eating three meals a day, making sure I was getting enough water. I was so focused on making sure that he was able to get his energy out. His days were full, even though I wasn't feeling well, that I was suffering more than I even had to. I reached a breaking point in which over the course of a day, I had talked to him several times in a way that I wasn't proud of. I didn't feel good about. I snapped. I raised my voice. I just wasn't the parent that I have been over the course of the last 18, 19 months. And I was surprised at myself. I was like, this is the person that I promised myself I would never be around him. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing drastic. It was just not the way I usually am around my son. It took me a few days to forgive myself for that and to really dig a little deeper and to understand why it happened. And while yes, jet lag and a virus and a toddler all at once 
is a lot. A big part of it was my lack of self-care and my responsibility to myself. And you hear about it all the time, you know, especially now on social media, you see it all the time. But it's one of those things that, like you said, Amanda, we fluff off, we brush off. It's like, yeah, 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 I know I should be drinking more water. I should probably should have had lunch, but we don't do it. And then we don't realize that all of those missed opportunities to just do the basic things that people need to feel good as humans, those things add up and then they do affect the way we interact mm-hmm. with our children. You know, if you don't take that opportunity for you to whatever, watch a show or browse your phone a little bit when they're napping or do whatever it is that's going to make you feel good. I don't care if it's nap with them. You're less of the parent you want to be when they're awake because now you're frustrated. Now you wish you would have taken that time to do something to fill your own cup. And when you don't, a lot of the times they can take a brunt of that frustration. It's just kind of like one of those hard truths. It happens. And I think the most important thing that you said there, other than the whole drinking water because attacked, I never drink water, is the forgiving ourselves because that's always the hardest part for me. I feel like so much of my mom guilt, it stems from my own mother because anytime I lose my patience or I raise my voice or I'm just like you said, I'm just not the parent that I want to be. I instantly go to, well, I'm not the parent that I want to be, so I'm my mother. I'm going to make her same choices, her same mistakes, and in 15 years, my daughter's going to resent me too. And it's like, okay, you raised your voice once. Like, you know, this isn't going to be a whole tailspin of things, but it's so hard in those moments to not feel that way, especially when we're so triggered by our own parents and their decisions. And then there's certain things that, you know, our children do that trigger us because again, we are human. So we're going to have those. When I lose my patience, I'll always tell Kennedy, I'm like, I'm sorry, it's not about you. And I'll tell her like what I'm feeling. I'm just really frustrated because of X, Y, and Z. And I never say I'm frustrated at you or I'm mad at you because it's never about her. The times that I do lose my patience. It's not that she's causing me to lose my patience. It's whatever else is going on. And I know for me personally, I'm a highly sensitive person and I always have been, always will be. And I'm so easily overstimulated. So a lot of her toys don't make noise. I can't have the TV on, the sink running and like the dishwasher going and then the dog barking. I won't be able to concentrate. I won't be able to think. I know that about myself. So I try to set myself up for success and not have a lot of like outside noise and triggers. That way I can be calm and I can process my thoughts because if not, I'm going to take it out on her and that's not fair to her. And I know so many times us moms will go throughout the whole day and I'll be like thinking like, yeah, like I'm really killing it today. We're having a great day. And then one thing can happen and I have such a hard time coming back from that. And I know we were talking about this the other day that it's something that I'm really working on because I feel like then that sets the tone for my whole day. So I have to work on kind of like, yes, I made a mistake. I don't need to stay in it and feel guilty. I, I need to move on. You know, my daughter's already moved on because if not, I'm going to spend hours awake tonight staring at the ceiling, thinking about how I could have done differently. That is my experience to a T in this last scenario. I marked in my phone. This is so unhealthy. I marked in my phone the day that I raised my voice at Aiden. And I thought- it doesn't matter. Exactly. I was like, you know what? It took 19 months. That is far too little time for me to have gotten to the point where I raised my voice more than I would have liked to at him or at all. And I'm going to put it in my phone so that I remember this day and I can look back on it and see how much time has passed before it happens again, because maybe this is a huge issue. And it was so unhealthy that day when I was spiraling after Mm -hmm. the fact. I became hypersensitive to what is going on within me that led to this. Is this indicative of some kind of a greater issue? Should I be see- It was just, it was consuming. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself speaks to 
the pressure that we put on ourselves and external pressures on mothers in general. It took a good three to four days before I was able to recognize that no, I was in a physically depleted space. I was in a mentally depleted space and I wasn't my best self in that moment. But that doesn't erase over a year and a half of really trying to be the best parent that I can be for my son. And something that this platform has given me through the conversations we've had with parenting experts, with years of clinical training and understanding of the neuroscience behind how infants and toddlers process things. This style of parenting isn't about getting it right 100% of the time. It's about how you come back from those moments that you're not so proud of. They're going to happen. They're inevitable. It doesn't have to be raising your voice. It can be something else, but it will happen. That's the whole beauty of conscious parenting or gentle parent, whatever you want to call it really, is how we repair and how we recover. And I had that same conversation with my son when it felt genuine and I was able to a couple of hours later. I wanted to go into hyper like in that moment, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But I really wanted to be able to sit with him in a more genuine moment where I was composed to say what it is that was in my heart to him and it feel genuine. And I want him to understand what receiving a genuine apology looks like. And I was able to give that to him, but that didn't stop my tailspin that day. And like I said, this platform has really been the difference in me understanding that these things will happen. It's okay. It's about the recovery. And that's something I've struggled with personally my whole life, even before you know having my daughter, is just this whole idea of being perfect no matter how unattainable I know deep down that is, I need to be perfect wife, perfect mom, perfect x-ray tech, everything. And none of that's attainable. I know just recently my daughter and I, we had a day where we literally just lounged around all day. I didn't do dishes. We watched TV all day. And I'm thinking to myself, like we could have been so much more productive. I could have had so many moments of connection and spending time with her. And at the end of the day, she looked at me and she's like, I had a great day today. And I'm thinking to myself like, wow, I've spent the majority of the day thinking what we could be doing, but I was happy just doing nothing. And turns out that she was too. So I think sometimes we kind of think that we need to jam pack our kids, you know, activity calendar, and they need to go out and see all these things when really they just want to be close to us. And that's something I've been reminding myself of a lot that just being there is more than I ever had. So I'm not going to wind up like my mother because I'm already doing more than she ever could do just by being physically and emotionally present for my daughter, even though sometimes that is difficult. We know that, but just being there, I agree. I think for me, I really learned that you don't have to be a perfect parent shit even 10% of the time. I'm, I'm not perfect. Just being there is the most important thing. And I find something that's really triggering for me is a lot of the labels that are surrounding parenting in general, whether it be the attachment parenting, conscious, gentle, there's like this almost seems like sometimes these qualifications. And I know a couple weeks ago, my daughter was really upset and we were working through some big emotions and I did everything. I did all the scripts. I worked through everything. And finally, I just got to a point where I walked away and I was like, I don't know, you have to figure it out. I sat on the couch and she was crying and I'm thinking to myself, I just wasted 20 minutes working through all of these emotions. Let's draw a picture. Let's play all of these things that you're supposed to do to get this end result. And it didn't work for us. And then I got frustrated and she got frustrated. And I think my biggest tip for overcoming mom guilt is of course, giving myself grace but also to stop comparing because that's something that I feel like with social media, everyone's only putting the good out there though. We know that to be true and everyone wants to put out you know, all these different methods and all these different things. And it's okay if you take something from all of these and it's like, 
I don't really know what I'm practicing. I'm practicing just being the best damn parent I can today. And every day that looks different. I don't subscribe to a style of parenting. Mm -hmm. I really couldn't tell you whether I'm more of a conscious parent, a gentle parent, attachment parent. I think there are things about every style that I really appreciate and I'm trying to incorporate into how I raise my son. But at the end of the day, it's really just about breaking cycles that I feel need to be broken, but also doing what's in my heart, following his lead in a way that's healthy for the both of us and being responsive emotionally, you know, and taking a look at things within myself that need healing so that there are things that he won't have to heal from. So whatever style parenting that is, whatever you want to call that, that's what I'm doing with my son. I'm not super hung up on giving that a name Mm -hmm. uh, because I know what that feels like for me to be able to just give him this is enough for me. Like you said, Amanda, you can call it whatever you want. It's knowing that I'm doing the best that I can for him, but also for myself. I think there's been something very healing for me in becoming a mother to Aiden. It's given me the opportunity to stop and really for a reason greater than myself, look within and figure out where things need to change for myself, but also for him. Gathering this information from social media and understanding what the different parenting styles are is wonderful. And there are so many tools within the parenting community on social media. I mean, free tools. But like you said, there's just so much pressure around it. Subscribe to what feels right for you and your child. And if following that script just doesn't feel genuine, then that comes across. That comes across to our kids. You know, Aiden can tell when I'm full of shit. He just knows. (laughs) They just know. They just have a sensor. They have a Mm -hmm. sensor. They know when we're triggered. They know when we're feeling good and it reflects in them. So I think doing what's genuine to you is what's going to most positively reflect in your child. And so many times when we put ourselves in this box, I know we've talked about it for our children. We don't want to put them in these boxes. So why are we so often doing that with a parenting style? Because I feel like it just sets you up for failure. And that's something that I, over the past year or so, I've really had to kind of move away from because anytime I would mess up or not do things exactly the way it should be, I kind of just overall felt like a failure. And that's that's not fair. When we say that we follow a certain style or we do a certain thing, as soon as we kind of go away from it, we're so quick as my to say that we're failing. I know we did in our episode um, with John, the tired dad, in the beginning of the season, we talked a lot about mom guilt versus dad guilt from his kind of side as a dad. And I know personally, like my husband, it's not something that he experiences at such great magnitude that I do. I know that he definitely does experience dad guilt. And it's a conversation that we've had recently. His is more so that he's gone all day. He's like, I wish some days I could be home with her all day. And he's like, I'm not, you know, undermining how friggin' difficult it is because it is, I'm not taking away from that. He's like, but there's times that I don't get home till, you know, six, six thirty, and he's just there for bath, dinner and bed. And on the days I work, that's what it's like for me. And I know how crummy that feel. So for him, that being his everyday, his kind of way of looking at it, which I need to be better at is like, you can't change it right now anyway. So why am I going to obsess over it and hang on to it when I can't change it? And that's something uh, I've always struggled with. Even pre-Kennedy, I always want to obsess and overanalyze something I can't change. That's the same reason you put that note in your phone of the date. You can't change it, that it happened. Why do I need to harp on it? When we have a really great day, I try to like sit in it as much as possible and just really soak it up. But I've noticed like with my daughter, her end of the day excitement and happiness, it actually is the same. Whether or not I think we had an absolute shit day versus the day that we went strawberry picking and didn't have the TV on all day and I cooked all these incredible meals. 
every night it's still like, I had a great day today or I love doing this with you. Like our children can always see the good in everything, but as moms, we can't. And sometimes I feel like it takes away from the positive. So I'm trying to do a better job in general, just being more positive. We're going to look back and we're going to hopefully remember all of the good days and the good moments and the trips and the excitement and the things we experienced together. And I'm not going to look back and be like, oh, remember that day when like we didn't even get off the couch or get out of, out of our pajamas? Like, If we keep putting notes in our phone, we may remember it though. Another thing that I've learned through our platform and speaking to people is that just no matter what, and there's something freeing in this for me, our children will have their own cycles to break. Hopefully those cycles are not the cycles that we're trying to break right now. Hopefully it's too much screen time and things (laughs) of that nature, but there's no way that we can tackle everything and be left with zero mom guilt over anything because we're doing everything right. For myself as a solo mom, there's absolutely no way that there aren't times where screen time may be a little more readily available to Aiden than I would like it to be. It happens. Is that going to be my battle? Is that going to be where I really focus my efforts on minimizing as much as possible, not having him watch TV until he's over three years old? That's just not going to be where my efforts lie. There are a lot of other places and a lot of other things where I'm really giving my all to. Uh, So there are going to be cycles to break. You would hope that your children want to do better for their children than you did for them and still appreciate you, right? I love and appreciate my parents. There are things that I'm moving away from for my son. One doesn't negate the other. So I think for myself hearing that, it wasn't stressful. It was actually, there was a freedom in it. Like, okay, you know what? I don't have to be doing every damn thing perfectly. Another thing I struggle with is that I do say a lot, you're doing a great job. I know that's like a big no-no right now. It's like almost the same thing as like smacking your kid. Like it's horrible. It's not Not the same as smacking your kid. But you can almost feel that way with some of the things you read on Mm -hmm. social media. It's like so not okay. You're basically setting up your child to be a people-pleasing, damaged person. So I I understand. I understand the psychology behind not saying great job a lot. Do I struggle with it? Yeah. But are there so many other things that I'm really wholeheartedly focused on? And do I catch myself saying it and dial it back? Of course I do. But is that going to be where 110% effort goes? I've honestly, I've let it go. I'm going to try to dial it back. I have, but I'm going to say great job sometimes. And you know what? That'll just have to be a cycle that Aiden breaks if he has children, because there are things right now that are taking precedent over that. And that's one of the things, actually, I feel like based off of our own childhood and our own cycles that we're breaking, I feel like it kind of sets the tone for how we are with our children. Because one of the things that I do a lot is say, you should be so proud of yourself only because I grew up as such a people pleaser. So that's something to me that I'm like, you can't be like that. I'm like that. But then I saw something recently about how you shouldn't say, be careful to your kids. And I started actually listening and being more conscious of it. I literally say it 500 times a day. So I feel how you feel about that great job is exactly how I feel about the be careful. Because it's like one of those empty statements that they say you should say like, how do your feet feel on those rocks? Do you feel steady? And sometimes I'll try to do that. But I'm like, okay, if she's doing her scooter in the middle of the street and I see her car coming, I'm not going to be like, how close is that car? Do you think you have time? No, I'm going to be like, get to the side, be careful. And I'm not going to harp on it either. And that's the thing I feel like I've been focusing on here recently is learning we're one person. 
you know, I have a partner where he is able to fill in a lot of where I lack. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm the default parent. I'm predominantly with our daughter. I make a lot of the big family decisions. So there's some things that are just going to have to fall to the wayside. And every day it's something different. If I wake up and I don't want to do the laundry and I want to leave the dishes in the sink, I'm done feeling guilty about it. You know, our daughter doesn't nap anymore. So it's hard to get stuff done during the day. At the end of the day, when she's asleep, I don't want to keep doing things. I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to va- I don't want to do any of that. I want to sit and binge watch all of my shows on Hulu because all day I haven't been able to do that. And there'd be times that I would like get up at 9, 30, 10 and head to bed and like look around and be like, well, oh, well, I'm going to deal with it in the morning. And it's like, who cares? Like, I don't care. My daughter doesn't care. My husband doesn't care. So why am I spending so much time obsessing over the little things that really don't matter? I like that you're mentioning places where you've let go of the mom guilt. A big one for me, I've actually never had it. I haven't had to let it go, but I'm glad about this, is that I don't have mom guilt over not giving Aiden siblings. That is something that I don't have control over. It is something that really doesn't matter whether or not I wanted more children. That option is not available to me. It's just an area of my life where I'm choosing not to give a lot of energy, time, emotion to because I have this beautiful, healthy, loving little boy, little baby. I'm going to call him a baby for like five years (laughs) in front of me. And I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude for him that I don't want to spend time worrying that I've somehow handicapped his childhood by not providing him more humans that came from my body. Like it just doesn't feel like a place where I should be spending emotional energy. I think as parents to only children, there is a lot of that. You hear a lot about, you know, second guessing or feeling bad about whether or not you should have or could have had more children. And is it going to negatively affect your child? Are there all these personality quirks that only children have? And I just think it's a little privileged to even think about that. You know, am I possibly setting him up to have certain personality traits by not giving him siblings? That's a moot point for me. I don't have guilt over not giving him siblings because He has a mother and a caregiver and a family that loves him so dearly. And he'll have opportunities that I wouldn't be able to give if I had more children. So I'm focusing on the things that I'm able to do for Aiden as a mother to just Aiden and how that will impact his life positively. Sure, he won't have the experience of having siblings, but he will have many other experiences to look back on that I hope he's really happy to have. And I think that goes right back to, you know, worrying about the things that we can't change. You can't change that. So why are you going to give any energy to it? And I think even if it was something that you could change, even if your circumstances were different, I think people need to be more accepting of the fact that like my mental health or my relationship or whatever it is, is more important than giving my child a sibling, my physical health. I think people get so harped up myself included, um, about what we should be doing that we kind of ignore sometimes the more important things that should be taking precedence over that. And I know one of the things that I struggled with for a long time, I've worked through it, but when my daughter was really young, it really heightened when she was probably about 18 months, is I felt guilty for living so far away from her blood family. Because, you know, as our listeners know, I live in Maryland and all of our family is in Massachusetts. And for the longest time, I felt like I was setting her up just like at such a disadvantage that she lives so far away from her grandparents and her aunts and uncles. She's formed close 
closer relationships with our friends than she has with her own family. And I felt like, why are we doing that to her? That's not fair. You know, my husband and I grew up so close to our cousins and grandparents. Why are we doing the opposite? And it was my husband who was like, okay, we have opportunity to move home. Do we take that opportunity? And it happened a couple of years ago. And we really sat and we looked at it. Our happiness would have definitely diminished because we don't want to live back up there. We like where we're at. We have careers. We have such a great friend group. We have a village. Financially, you know, my husband would take a hit going up there. I would lose my career. I mean, I could get a new one up there, but it was all of these factors. And it's like, are we willing to give all of that up just so she can live closer to family? And we really sat on it. And for my husband, he was like, I say we do it. And I was like, oh, no, like, I don't think that's a smart move. And a couple months later, we revisited it. And we both agreed that staying here is what is best for us as a family. I've never regretted the decision over the past couple of years that my daughter has been here. And I don't think my husband has either. There was just for that first 18 months, as she started getting older and realizing like, these are my cousins, they live far away. Like when they start understanding that dynamic, I was kind of like, shoot, that kind of sucks for her. I've seen Kennedy many times when she's visited and she is one of the happiest little girls I've ever met. So, And that's what I think my husband and I, we realized that her having two happy parents here in Maryland was a heck of a lot more important than having potentially not happy parents being near family in Massachusetts, especially now with literally the cost of everything. I don't even think we could afford to live in Massachusetts. So (laughs) I really just want to leave. And I know it's something that like we say all the time. And it's something that if you scroll social media, TikTok, you're going to see it, but it's just that you're doing a good job. And I know sometimes it's so hard for us to think that and I'm told that by people around me and it's sometimes just so hard for us to believe for ourselves we need I don't know if it's outside validation validation from our kids what it is on social media whatever we need to feel that we're doing a good job and to not feel guilty for the times that we're not doing our best because we are doing the best that we can to whatever we're capable of is what we're capable of we're not superheroes I hate that whole narrative that moms are superheroes because It just sets new moms up for failure. I'm freaking human. Being a mom is a superpower, but I'm not a superhero. (laughs) I do want to leave our listeners with one or two actionable strategies or tips on how to rebound from that feeling of being consumed by mom guilt. And the two that have worked for me are number one, first and foremost, is reaching out to a mom friend, just someone that you can trust. Amanda, for me, it's been you. Those couple of times where I felt it, moments after it has happened or while it's happening, I'm texting you. You're someone that I trust. So I know you're not just going to tell me what I want to hear. But having you kind of shake me out of that toxicity and say, listen, you got to cut yourself some slack here. Mm -hmm. You're a great mom. You're having a moment. We've all been there. I was just there yesterday with my daughter. It just that relatability and that ability for you to kind of take me out of where I'm at mentally. If you have one mom in your life that you trust, reach out, shoot a text. It doesn't have to be like a scheduled phone call where you delve into every last thing you did wrong. It can literally just be, I feel like a shitty parent right now. I just did this. Help. Simple, easy, quick, get that support. It always takes me out of that moment. It always kind of puts that balance into the situation that I need. And another thing is something that my mom suggested. She was like, you know what? Maybe it's not about eradicating the feeling. Maybe it's not about like not feeling an ounce of guilt ever. Maybe you just need to set a timer for yourself and give yourself like an hour. After that hour, you need to let this go for you and for your baby. 
I've actually heard that before doing the timer with like OCD and anxiety and like obsessive thoughts. I think Kate told us that actually when we did our um, episode with her. It's not something that I've tried yet, but I do see how it could be beneficial. I want to say my tips when I'm struggling with mom guilt, I find if I unplug a bit is good. Like stay off of social media. That can send you into a spiral. If you're feeling guilty about something and then you see, you know, whatever you feel guilty about and you see a parent doing the opposite, it's plain and simple makes you feel like shit and you don't need that. And I also, I 100% agree with reaching out to somebody. And I sometimes for me, like I have friends that aren't parents and sometimes I'll vent to them. And in an odd way, they almost understand even though they don't have kids, because sometimes you don't even need somebody to say like, it is helpful to be like, oh, I've been there. I went through this. But even sometimes just having somebody listen to you and be like, no, you're not crazy. Like that sounds really difficult. Like I think you managed it really well. Even just hearing somebody say that is like, you know what? they're right. Why am I harping on this? You know, I handled it the best I could. And I also think for me, if you do have a partner really leaning into them and speaking up something I forever will struggle with, I'm trying to get better is asking for help, not even asking for help, but accepting the help. I did yesterday, a friend reached out and offered help. And I said, yes. And she was even surprised. And I was like, I did it. I did it. It took a lot for me to get here, but I did it. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the time and I needed the time. So I think just kind of, again, giving ourselves grace because At the end of the day, we're only human. I'm smiling a little bit because it is funny. I'm thinking about reaching out to a non-parent friend. There is something irrational about parenthood. We do go down some pretty irrational spirals. (laughs) And sometimes hearing from someone that's not a parent, hearing someone be like, are you serious? Are you good? (laughs) Right. Like there is something refreshing about that non-parent perspective. It kind of jolts you back into reality. So that's actually a really good point. And I think it helps too if the person really knows you well, because if the person doesn't know you well, they could be like, okay, like this bitch is crazy. What is she talking about? (laughs) But somebody like my friend Devin, who knows me well enough, who is like, oh, I can tell you're spiraling a bit and kind of just will say to me like, wait, what did you do? And make you realize sometimes how silly it is. And it's like, gosh, now I feel guilty that I spent so much time on this. As moms in our own brains, we're damned if we do, if we damned if we don't. So like you said, I really just think we need to kind of choose our battles and really pour ourselves into the things that really matter for us. So we will leave you with that and we will catch you next week. 